I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Hey, on everybody, it is All In Sports, and I know it's been a while, but hey, you know, good things come to those. Wait, Jake Seeley, follow me at All In Kid, which you're probably doing already. Chris Meany, follow him at Chris Meany. It's very simple. You can follow both of us, get all our work over at The Athletic. Uh, we're going to talk about the combine, my trip out there, some other things going on in the NFL, MLB, and even maybe some NBA. Wow. And, uh, you know, hey, you know what? If you can't read the article at The Athletic, which has gotten rave comments so far, which I appreciate by everybody, it was, and it's credit to Nando. Nando's the one that told me to do it as like a humanitarian, not a humanitarian, a human-sided piece. I don't know. Whatever it is. It's, it's, it's your journey with me through my journey through my first NFL combine. Um, I don't know why you haven't yet, but if you go to theathletic.com front slash all in sports, the name of this show, you can get 30% off. So you don't even have to pay full price to go see it. And it's very good. I think that ends up being like four bucks a month. So just go do it. Go sign up over there. And then you get Chris Meany's stuff too. And Chris Meany's dominating hockey, which hockey continues to be like one of the most ravenous fan bases on our site, Chris. <laughs> I know. You know, I love it, obviously. You know that. So, it, you know, anytime I hear that hockey's doing good, uh, it makes me feel good. And you know what? Good on Nando and yourself for the experience and for the article idea. It's, it's very neat, right? Like not a lot of people know what the combine is all about, yourself included. I mean, that's how you started. I have no idea. So it's cool. You know, you walk, walk uh, everyone through it, your experience, and um, it's neat, man. I'm excited actually just to hear your thoughts now on uh, yeah, first experience. Well, my thoughts are too, is Nando never likes to take credit for anything. Cause my yeah, initial, <laughs> my next sentence was that was the exact text. I sent my boss, Nando DeFino. He took out his own name when he edited it. I wanted to give him some credit. Like that was, that was the text exchange. It's like, well, leading up to that, Nando was like, Hey, be aware. They're talking about sending you to combine. And I was like, Oh, that'd be awesome. I don't, I didn't understand why, because as a fantasy analyst, I can get all of my information, like I get all the metrics, I can get all the tested, I can see it, you know, the interviews are posted, and you can actually can even go online and look at the transcripts and all that type of stuff, so it's like, yeah, you know, I don't understand why they want to send me, it'd be awesome, like I'm super excited to go and I want the experience, but it was just kind of one of those, you know, when you work for previous companies, Chris, and the budget is, hey, you have to pay your own dime for 90% of this stuff, don't buy a Snickers while you're on your trip type of thing, so now that we're with a company that knows how to you know, provide for employees, send them on important trips like this. And we had an athletic meeting Friday morning with all the NFL writers that I was also in, which was very insightful. And plus I got to meet the bosses and stuff like that. So I understand why I was on the trip. Um, it's just that, that time, it's that mind shift that you and I have to get through of like understanding that we can do these kind of things. Yeah. It's but nice, isn't it? It is. It's really nice. But I had no idea. He's like, what do you want to write about? And that was the thing is like, I don't know. I've never been to a combine. I don't know. Like, Am I going to write about all my interviews? That's not like I included some of them and they were very, I thought they were interesting, but I don't know how interesting they are because people can see them anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to your point, like, yeah, so my very first sentence in the articles, I have no idea. I had no idea 
what I was going to do. You sitting at home, Chris, how much do you pay attention to the combine? Because do you over, like, do you feel like it gets overrated like a lot of people do? Because, you know, if you're the metrics crowd, you, who, DK Metcalf is going to win the world, although we have to see if he runs a really terrible shuttle at his pro day again. But on the flip side, you have the video people who are like, ah, metrics don't mean a whole lot. You have people like myself who's right down the middle. You can't do one without the other, like love and marriage, 50 50. Uh, you know, if I see somebody at the combine who I was the outlier, I go back and relook. If they confirm what I saw on video, it makes me feel better. Yeah, I mean, I don't overrate it too much. It, obviously, as a football fan, it's interesting to really kind of get to know these kids and what they can do. You know, you see their tape and you see how explosive and, you know, how amazing they are on film. But then you see, you know, the combine and, you know, I don't know what it looked like in person to see Quinn and Williams run as fast as he ran. As oh, well, real is. quick, real quick. We do, we're not allowed in there. So media's not even allowed. That's the part. So we also, right. that's the, we're not allowed in the stadium to see all that stuff, which was like, what? That's like half the fun. But it, no, so, it's brutal. But like Eisen, like Rich Eisen's talking about it. He's like, well, I see, like I, I'm seeing Williams run. But like for those of you who are watching at home on television, I mean, it must look a little bit different to see like the muscles and his legs just go. And then you see the comparison with Donald. Like it's just like that kind of stuff I get blown away from. I get blown away with just, you know, how explosive these, you know, these athletes are. But, uh, I, you know, I don't want to take too much stock into, into some of them because, as you know, and we'll talk about it, and I'm sure you'll be writing about it, and, you know, you're all over these rookies and, and where they'll go, obviously, we'll have a lot to say, you know, how we look at them from a fantasy standpoint. But, you know, some people have – they've had some – they had some bad showings, right? And they moved up and down the draft board, and certainly we'll talk about running backs, and there wasn't, in my opinion, a whole lot of, of appealing running backs. So – um, you know, you look and you just wonder how much stock am I going to take into the combine or their run or, you know, you mentioned Metcalf. I mean, the fastest 40 yard dash for a guy who's weighing over 225 pounds since they started. But then you, and then you mentioned, you know, some of his others, you know, showings like the, how about the three cone drill? I mean, slower than, than 208 quarterbacks and 39 players to weigh over That's 300 pounds of that span. Yeah. So it's like, wait, what? <laughs> So you, you you take a little bit here, and you know, I, I I don't want to overlook it so much, but um, obviously I'm you know I'm at home and I'm paying attention. Yeah. So anybody who knows us knows me. This is gonna know what I'm about to say. I don't have to preface it with it's about to sound conceited. I'm sorry, uh, but there is a doubt. There's look. There's going to be a negative at the end of it for myself. So I say that with the fact of. I just was amused, and Emery Hunt is the best scouting person I know. Over 700 people, 700. Yes, he does all positions, people, but I always double-check before I go to watch the Combine. This year, actually go to the Combine. I have my rankings set. I don't finish my rankings till about the middle to end of March because, like Emery, I don't want to – have here's my midseason here's my postseason here's this one I want this is I'm done this is my evaluation I take everything into account this is it that's the end so there's a lot of people that I was high on that the industry isn't there's the conceited part and Emery and I spent a lot of time together and I like the fact that about 80 to 90 percent of those people I was on the same page with with Emery actually very two good examples was he sent me his rankings and I said, I can't believe you have Dexter Williams and Miles Boykin high. I thought I was going to be the one to have to tell you, hey, I've seen a lot of Notre Dame games. You need to move these kids up. 
and then what I'm talking about, and I say this is Miles Boykin was one of the people, including uh, who else was up there that moved up a little bit. It's like Miles, Miles Boykin, Emmanuel Hall. Um, there was another one too. Oh, uh, everybody, Nikhil Harry, which used, both of us actually had him as our number one wide receiver. And then, of course, Henderson with his speed coming from a school where he averaged almost nine yards a carry. Uh, right. Some of these other ones. And those are all guys we had higher by far. Or even, not by far, but a good amount, and then some of them by far than everybody else. What happens? They go to the combine test. Well, Chris, you saw everybody's like, "Oh, Miles Boykins moved into the second day," and we're like, "You know what? We were trying to tell you. Nobody listens to this. It was like whatever." Like, but on the flip side, I will admit, here's the downside. I, this is here's a perfect one where I wasn't on the same page. I both of he and I like Mike Weber. Mike Weber didn't do so well. He, you know, took a knot. He took it. He took a punch on the chin, if you will. So, you know, we're not perfect. And I'm not saying we knew everything going in. It's just, I find it funny that, you know, these people who are the same people like myself who say it's at least 50-50 or film people or talent evaluators at college all of a sudden get skewed by what they see in the combine. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that you guys are on the same page and that you're ahead of the Almost. curve. <laughs> eh, almost yeah and that you're ahead of the curve like you mentioned Dexter Williams you know in Notre Dame you, you're familiar you watch you know you watch them play and and yeah I thought he had a you know I thought he had a good combine as well I mean you know maybe not so much in the receiving drills but that was really his only downfall I think and that's just slight so again not overlooking it you know that the true talent is there and when you see some of these guys and how impressive that they are I mean yeah it, it doesn't surprise you I mean that, that's why you guys are working at the athletic <laughs> and to be fair I'll give you two examples of where we haven't agreed and one of us has been right and the other one's wrong I was and people know this very high on Joe Mixon Emory wasn't I, I would say so far ding to Jake on the flip side uh, Emory's always been very high and low on high on Terry Cohen low on Jordan Howard I have been not as high as Joe Mixon by any stretch of the imagination and especially in fantasy last year you know like I don't think it was going to happen for Jordan Howard as much as we've seen in the past but it's even going further downhill saying you know what he is just a guy that kind of just runs through the space that's there. And if he doesn't find it, and I even mentioned as much in college saying it was a straight line, but I thought he'd be fine. Similar to like a Leonard Fournette, the volume will be there or whatever. But both of these guys, Jordan Howard and Leonard Fournette are starting to look like, you know what, if they're not getting the volume, eh, they're not very good for fantasy. So, you know, and there's plenty more, you know, Emery's pointed out some beforehand where I've moved my ranking. So you guys don't know until I do my rankings. And I would definitely defer if two people are arguing about a pure talent, I would lead with Emory. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> this job, like my job is to scout rookies and turn them into fantasy and do fantasy baseball and do fantasy football for the season we're in. Emory's full-time job is just let me watch, learn, talk to, and evaluate rookies. The end. <laughs> yeah, fair. You know, and, and yeah, you were dead on with Mixon. And for anybody who wants to be sour about the first year, we know what happened there with the offensive line, Andrew Whitworth. Like, let's not, you know, get into the – we saw, you know, his skill set in the second year. But this is the first time, and I can remember, you know, usually – over the past couple of years and talking to you and doing shows and this time of the year, you know, we've been talking about Zeke and Barkley and Fournette and these guys who are, you know, first round talents and they're going to go in the first few picks. And we have that debate. Should a team do it? Oh, they're generational talents. You got to do it. Right. Like what's your feeling now with these, with this crew of running backs? Like none of them are going to go in the first round. And I, I suppose your, your take is maybe. Yeah. So, and I guess your take is, well, I'm not going to, you're going to evaluate them, but from a fantasy standpoint, you're not going to get a real true feel like certainly from a dynasty or a redraft league. 
until they actually get drafted on a team in their situation because I don't know, man. Like after watching the combine, like usually there's one or two that kind of stand out to me that really move up. I don't know, man. I just think it's it's no, it's yeah, pretty, it's pretty tight. I, this year, more than at least in my memory. I mean, so like I would guess my writing career, I think the landing spot is going to be such a heavy, like if I could, you know, do like, all right, speed, agility, you know, catching the ball after the catch, uh, breaking tackle, all these type of things. I would put a category of team you land on just because it's going like I'm looking right now and I almost have a tier starting to develop of Jacobs, Henderson, Singletary and Damian Harris. And then, like, another tier behind them of, like, Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Elijah Holyfield, Mike Weber, Bryce Love, Dexter. Like, it's a big tier. I could keep going. That's a big tier, yeah. And there's more, like, Alex Barnes and Trevion Williams and, like, depending, like, whatever. So, you know, it's going to be – and I always say that, too, before the draft. I actually stopped ranking them. I started putting them into tiers. Into Mm -hmm. So, I guess the tiers rank themselves because it's tier one, tier two, and stuff like that. But, I mean, I could have somebody – and I say this sometimes – all every year when I write the article and then people still ask is I could have somebody in tier three that leapfrog somebody in tier one because of a landing spot, you know, Josh Jacobs, let's throw him out. But you know, a lot of people love Damian Harris. Well, if Damian Harris goes and he's part of a timeshare, like let's say the saints draft Damian Harris, great team, but he's going to be in the Mark Ingram role. Meanwhile, let's say Darrell Henderson gets drafted by the chiefs and they plan to use him as the feature and say, you know what? Damian Williams is going to continue to be the backup. Uh, Darrell Henderson as the feature in the Chiefs' backfield is going to be a hell of a lot more valuable than Damian Harris in the Saints. Like, it just depends on what – like, hell, maybe what if they drafted Alex Barnes and said he was going to be the feature role for the Chiefs? Like, three rounds later, four rounds later. So, that's what we have to look at. I think the wide receivers are going to be the same too because – I don't know. Were you a Metcalf person before after the – or like – not really, like, I, I wasn't really, like, I understand some, like, the speed. Um, I, I, I mean, I got that anyways before the combine. I was really blown away at the combine, of course. But, um, no, I wasn't, like, I wasn't a huge guy. Like, I didn't think that he'd be the first wide receiver taken off the He's a huge guy. <laughs> Is he ever? And, like, no body fat either, right? Like, is that healthy? I no? didn't know you could get that. I'm not kidding. This is not like, oh, no, I legitimately did not think you could get that low. No, I didn't either. Like, I don't think it's healthy. Like, I don't, I just, I, I mean, I wonder when he gets going and, you know, I just, I, I, I was, I was blown away to hear that. I actually had to like double check and triple check that I was just like, wait, what was it like 1.4% or whatever it was like, that's, I mean, that's, that's not great. And you wonder if, you know, through the full course of a season and, you know, through agility and, you know, just back and forth, the wear and tear in your body, like what, you know, how he's going to be able just to react. But um, no, to answer your question, like I wasn't that really high on him, but now he's, what is he going to be the first wide receiver taken off the board? There's a really good chance. That's a really good chance. And I've seen some mock draft people overreact to the combine and all of a sudden he's in the so top mean about overreacting? Yeah, you don't want to overreact too much. Like, I don't think he's going to be a top 10, but you look at teams like Baltimore, like, you know, they cut Crabtree. Do they need a wide receiver? Like, yeah, desperately. But, you know, are they going to draft? See, moved up you know that what? High? Know. And here's the thing is I've seen it too, and I've seen even higher than the Ravens. I actually think that's a terrible fit because with the Ravens, you want somebody who could freelance if things break down. Right. And as we saw, like maybe, again, there's people out there making excuses for his shuttle and his cone and stuff like that. And first of all, you know, whatever. Maybe, okay, let's say 
you're right. He did slip and he did get, you know, poor advice on the proper way to run it and test well. And he actually tests well at his pro day and looks great. And now we're like, all right, he's definitively in the top 15. He checked off the box we were concerned about. Whatever. That's what the fact is, if you watch Metcalf, first of all, he only has the one year. What does he have? Like 60 something catches to his career. And if you watched him, he's a very straight line runner. And it's not surprising given his side and speed and getting behind defenders. The thing you want and the success that you want to see in the NFL to turn him from that, which is basically uh, everybody wants to dismiss the fact that he's another Dorrell Green Beckham possibly. And I'm not saying he is. Just saying. People were losing their minds, and you remember this, Chris, over Darrell Green Beckham and his testing and his skills and how he's unguardable, blah, 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 and we can teach the rest. Well, the difference between, you know, this and some people are throwing out Julio Jones and that Julio Jones didn't run these. Well, Julio Jones didn't have this concern going into the combine, at least in my opinion. Maybe some people out there did think so, but I didn't think so because you saw it in college. We haven't seen DK Metcalf be able to get off coverage by breaking his routes and being elusive in his routes. So I think that's the biggest concern with him where I look, I'm looking right now at my rankings. I have him at like wide receiver four or five. I was going to ask if you had him just outside your top five. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, man. Like he runs fast. He really runs fast. We've seen this before from some guys. He's, he's a poor route runner. Uh, he's, he's really not that crisp. And, you know, there were some parts of the, like I said, the three cone time, like that was, that was a little disappointing to me. Like, yeah, he can run fast, but I think teams get tripped up and other analysts get tripped up in talking about him being a top 10 and, and you're saying you've seen him even higher than, you know, perhaps Baltimore. That's crazy to me. That's, that's, that's nuts to me. That's taking the combine and looking at, at it just way too much. And there's other guys that have other skill sets. So, I mean, I, I'm in total agreement with you. Hold on. I'm trying to find it. I just saw, oh, here's, here it is. I'm not going to say which it is, right. um, but there's a mock draft that I saw him going to the Bills at nine. Wow. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, and, and I understand they need a wide receiver. I get that. And, you know, Allen can throw far and McCaff can run fast. Um, but, yeah, no, the, to me, he's – I would have two or three guys. I, I saw him, you know, go to the Steelers at 20, and I, I think a lot of people will probably pencil him in there, you know, losing Antonio Brown and drafting another wide receiver, but I don't, I don't think they necessarily need him either. I saw huh, – dog's going crazy. I, uh, I, oh, saw, yeah. <laughs> I saw one draft where he went even higher than that. I'm not going to mention I – won't, I, won't, I won't call You won't that. mention it. No, <laughs> no. Dogs um, are freaking out here because they don't like Metcalf as a, as a top ten talent. They're, they're, they're crazy. You're like, yeah. you know, and I hope I, he'd be so much fun if he ends up being a Calvin Johnson freak. I, I would love for that. Yeah, that's the comps, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, yes, that's super entertaining for NFL for fantasy for you know. But at the same time, it's more so not throwing this out there to be wet blankets or say like, oh, we don't like DK Metcalf. I, it wouldn't be the first time where I've had concerns one way and they've bucked them. And there's not be the first time where I've been very high on a wide receiver and he hasn't performed up to you know, expectations. But I just I want people to chill out on the combine in general because it is still just testing. Like what the thing that Emery and I were laughing at the most, and I'm sure you appreciate this, is like the what are they like? You see all these ratings after the combine where they're like explosiveness scores and domination ratings and 
and like you know they're just making up ratings <laughs> yeah cosmic explosion rankings like it just what, what are you talking about <laughs> i love it i mean again it's it's the combine people want to get excited about it there there's new fresh talent and blood and yeah they're just i guess they're trying to find a new edge to you know to talk about somebody but yeah i mean explosive ratings and I don't get too wrapped up or too carried away in all that. I mean, John Ross, I mean, everyone got excited about John Ross a couple of years ago. And now the Bengals are doing whatever they can to get rid of this guy. So um, let's, let's pump the brakes. Very impressive stuff. Runs real fast. Needs some body fat, but um, he's not my first wide out off the board. Oh, he's, he's got my top ghost score. I could tell you that much. Just, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not saying there's not value with those things. I just, I think they're funny to you like all these names because what does it mean? Like, all right, he's got, you know, this rating or whatever. Okay. Like, when I tell you that he's elusive, that's one, you know what that is. Like, I don't, like, go up and look up what his score means, and then is it just something that you arbitrarily came up with, or is it, you know, because there is, I will admit, again, and you know this, Chris, you know, if you have the height, speed, you know, and then, like, elusive rating, you combine it all, like, whatever, and you come up with score that way. Like, you combine all those things, there's a history of saying, you know, if you have blank, blank, and blank, there's a good chance that you'll exceed as a running back or, you know, you'll be somebody that's tough to guard as a wide receiver. So I understand it. It's just mm-hmm. all the people that get hung up on it, like, that's your only – here, I'll close it and say – we'll move on from this and say it this way. Don't go with only one thing. Like, I don't go out there and say my rankings are definitive rankings. You don't need to read anybody else's. That's it. The end. Go away. Like, same thing. Emery is the best I know. I'm not going to say I'm only reading Emery because Emery's not 100% right. These scores aren't 100% right. Like, so go out there and get all the information you can. Absolutely. I in total agreement with you there. Yeah, read around. I'll do, this, I'll do the same thing. I'll obviously be following your guys' work. I have my own opinions as well. But, yeah, I'll read around. And, and you know, there's no question Metcalf's stock moved up and other guys moved down. But um, right. there's, still, there's still a lot to be said. And, of course – Obviously, the landing point is so key, but even more so, as we alluded to earlier, for running backs, I just think it's – I don't remember a year like this where there's just not one standout, and where they go is going to be, you know, it's so key to their success and their opportunity. No, absolutely. I, I will tell you the worst answer I got <laughs> was from Debo Samuel because it wasn't an answer. <laughs> I <love it. laughs> Part of the article talks about how initially I followed Emery around a little bit to watch and listen to what he was asking because, hey, this guy knows what the hell he's doing. And I don't want to you know, ask the cliche stuff we see on TV all the time. We're like, you know, what, what team do you think you fit best with? Oh, you know, I think I would be good in any offense. It's all 32 teams, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I can give the answer, you know, that type of stuff. <laughs> okay. you know, what do you think you bring to the NFL? Well, I was like, yeah, okay, great. So what he asks a lot is uh, he either – uses something he's seen on tape and talks about that skill or goes a little bit more general, which is I did. And I actually asked the question a good like five or six times to different players is what do they believe is their most underrated or overlooked skill? Because, you oh, know, I like, hey, I like that cue. Yep, yeah. Because it's like it's finding out, hey, this is something maybe we don't think you're good at that you do. Yeah. You know, that, and that's, it's a good way. And they open up. Every single person opened up. Every single person talked about it. Dexter Williams is talking about his pass catching because he didn't get to do a lot of it at Notre Dame. It's funny that you say that. Mm. Debo Samuel looks at me. He goes, he pauses. So I'm going to be Debo Samuel for a second. So like, I say, you know, hey, what, what do you think? So I actually led a question before that. And I was asking about his after like play breakdown, his scramble ability. 
And so I talked about that a little bit. And then I said, so what do you think is your skill that's getting overlooked? Or do you think that people need to pay more attention to? And he goes, man, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. Like, and then looked at somebody else. And I was like, that's the end of your answer? Like, <laughs> he didn't even respond? I thought he was going like, to like go in. You said he didn't answer. I thought maybe he would like kind of answer it. But no, he no. didn't. He stumped him. No. Demo Samuel, you were my number three <laughs> slot wide receiver. <laughs> I think I'm going to move you down a spot. <laughs> like, at least give me something. Like, at least, I don't – my hair. Make a joke out of it. Like, I just wasn't expecting – I don't know. Easily stumped and confused. Yeah, you're probably going to have to drop him down just slightly. Uh, not sure how he's going to understand the playbook now, jokes aside. But, um, I, you know, that is a good question, though. You're right because they're, they're so used to the same – questions over and over and over again like to your point earlier about you know the pinky finger we're talking about that maybe we're talking about that off air but um you know repetitive questions see this all the time from reporters not just at combines and for these young guys to to hear a question like that you're right they want to they want to prove themselves in a way that maybe they left the combine thinking, oh, I didn't do this well, but I know that that's my best skill set. I know that I am a great route runner and I have great hands, but I dropped a couple. Like that's the, To hear that from those guys, I think, is, is key. So that's a good question. You just didn't get yeah. it. <laughs> and I'll admit, like Debo was – so first of all, he's already one of those people that gives short answers in general. Uh, you can tell, like, styles. Some of the guys are chatty. Some of the guys give tons of cliche answers. And it's, what, it's personality, so whatever. But he gave a lot of, like, very short one, two, three-word answers to people. Um, definitely not going to be a, a, the most riveting post-game interviews, it seems, unless somebody uh, gets them to loosen up. And I can I understand a little bit the you know frustration, too, because he's another one, a perfect example. Some guy asked him his feelings on playing outside, and he – I almost – like one time I jumped in and made a joke. I'll tell you about that real quick in a second. We'll talk about other stuff. But um, he looked at the guy and I almost jumped in and said, oh, he played a good amount outside in college if you watched. And he took care of it. He actually said that. He's like, he's like, actually, if you watched a lot of my games, I played outside most of the time. Nice. And I'm like, oh, nice. yeah. So like, again, know who you're talking about. But as you said, that question, I felt broke him, like broke that seal because he was kind of like, oh, that's a that's a great question. I thought you know, hey, it might get a little Loosen bit more. Loosen up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that no, no. that didn't happen. At all. The other way. <laughs> uh, the uh, the other one. So it was like um, the Elway thing for anybody that's in there. So I, I don't want to spoil it, but when when the second person did what they did, I actually and people looked at me. I don't know if I was supposed to, and maybe you're not supposed to talk at a time. I don't know. I don't again. I've I've never been to the combine, <laughs> but I joked and I said loud enough for the person who was asking it to hear me and said, I already took care of that for you. So when you read it, and again, you, you'll see and you'll understand. I probably should have included that in there, but it was kind of hard to get that inside. But as NFL as a whole, so, all right, first of all, two things. I just retweeted this one. So let's go to this one first because the news just cracked as we're doing this. Ooh. The Colts are highly interested in Tyrell Williams. I love that thought. That's all. That's, a, that's how I'm going to set it up for you, Chris. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you. I I love it as well. And that's he's one of the most intriguing free agent wide receivers to me. We all know he's he's very explosive and kind of just you know he's had those home run games, but he doesn't get the consistency in terms of targets. So there's just a lot of bodies there with the Chargers. So yeah, I love that as well. I mean Andrew Luck, and and that's what you know he was missing. It, as good as the season as Andrew Luck had, 
like who did he throw the football to besides T.Y. Hilton, right? Like we were getting excited about average Joes with the Colts. So yeah, this is I love it as well. And and I think the the fantasy community will, man. Like he'll if he went to the Colts, he'd be wide receiver three conversation for me. I think he might even be wide receiver two. I mean, yeah. you remember what like That's, Andrew Luck and teams like that have been able to do for both their number one and number two wide receiver. Uh, it's, it, and people are going to be like, oh, Tyrell Williams, deep play threat, blah, blah, That's all. He, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's a lot more than I mean, he definitely is because people are going to look at the yards per catch and the yeah. yards per route run and stuff like that. But that's just part of his game. I, the Colts need a second wide receiver. That's part of the reason I stashed Deion Kane on so many teams at the end of drafts and especially in best ball last year. It was like, hey, he could be the number two that they've been looking for. Obviously, the injury derailed anything of that happening. But – that's, you know, I think going after somebody like Tyrell Williams makes a hell of a lot of sense. As much as I like Deion Kane, I think that makes a ton of sense of being able to go out there and say, you know what, we're going to just take care of it and get Tyrell Williams. And if Deion Kane does develop, then we have a nice problem here because we have three super talented wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have some Kane as well in Dynasty. But yeah, I mean, to my point, like Dontrell Inman, like he was great down the stretch, but you know, it's Dontrell Inman and then Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, like Pascal. We were getting excited about these guys because Luck was throwing the football so much, but um, this is a significant upgrade, I think, to, to be the two in that offense. It's, it's nice. It definitely is. All right, so the other one I was going to ask you about, and this is NFL as a whole, and this isn't really helped much for fantasy, but your reactions on this whole Giants and Landon Collins thing. Um, like just because look, I think take actually, you know what? Uh, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna let you go first because I, <laughs> well, because and people know I'm a Giants fan. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, when people might not know because I say that, like, I definitely have a different readership than I do listenership, is I've always been able, at least in my opinion, to separate my fanship from my analysis. Like I've said, Eli Manning is terrible for fantasy and for fantasy players around him for years. You know, you know, this is like a Bulls fan. I text you a lot too, like a Rangers fan stuff. Like I take it out. Like I, I, I analyze what I see because that's my job. If I slanted my opinion, I'm doing everybody a disservice, including myself, because then my rankings are going to be off. But so your thoughts initially on this whole Landon Collins Giants thing. I'm a mess from, from day one, from the second that, you know, he cleaned his locker out and then they were wondering why he cleaned his locker out. And then he said, well, you know, I just took what I wanted. Um, obviously he, he wanted to get paid as, as one of the top safeties in the game and they didn't want to pay him that way. Even they felt like tagging him was, was, was too much. But I mean, he's for me on the outside, looking at the giants, like he's the key, like he's, what is he led the team in tackles for like four years now? I mean, he the defense noticeably got worse when when he suffered the injury and he left. I, I think he's I think he's one of the best in the game at his position. I think it's a big loss. I think it's going to be a big gain for whoever gets him. I don't understand. I don't like the Giants are just a confusing team to me, Jake. I'm sure they are for you as well, but I just don't understand a lot of the things that they do and and some of the players they leave. And I wonder. Initially, I thought, okay, well, is he a problem inside this locker room? Because we like all I heard last year was about effort and maybe some of the leaders are not stepping up and being leaders. Like, I, I just, I really, truly don't know why they let him go. <laughs> you got to keep some good players around on your team. And I, I think, you know, you tag him, whatever, or you lock him up to an extension. I think he's worth the money. I, I, I certainly do. And I think you're going to see a team pay up and and spend on him and you know it's we're gonna sit and look at the Giants like there's another player who just another good player who just left right I mean there's so many things with the Giants from the quarterback to 
you know, Odell Beckham Jr. to players on defense. Like, it's just – is it, this is another piece to what is just a, a crap show in New York. Hey, D'Angelo Williams, if you're listening, which you're probably not, <laughs> and I'm not calling you out for the $50. Uh, look, you, I, I, I tweeted it. You called this. He did. He called this as soon as they hired Gettleman. He warned everybody of what happened with the Panthers. He said, this is what you're in store for. And this is exactly the road we're going down. And I just, from the moment he sat on this stage and mocked the analytics, from the moment he said that, I don't care what the analytics say about Jonathan Stewart. When you watch him, you can see he still has a ton left to offer. Where is Jonathan Stewart right now, if I don't remember, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, so the, just the continue going down this road, and he, maybe he wants to save money for the new report that's coming out now from La Conforna saying that the Bills and the Giants are going to be in heavy pursuit of Daryl Williams from formerly of the Panthers. So, hey, what a surprise that Gettleman is just going to try and get everybody that used to play for the Panthers. I think Mike Tolbert is next. But, Jeez. yes, he was great in 2017. Yes, this kid is 26. The dude is coming off an exploded knee. Like, yeah. MC, like, destroyed his knee. So, you know, the Landon Collins thing, and I say all that because the Landon Collins, you can't take it on its own. Because if you do, on its own, I think you can make a case for not bringing him back and paying that kind of money. Because the league is a pass-happy offense. We know that now. Like, everybody's pa- – to go back to the combine, there was a very common theme along the, the running backs if you paid attention. And I think that's one of the things that you can learn from the combine too is you can see where they've been coached up because a lot of them kept saying things like Dexter Williams said, where it's like, hey, I'm a better pass catcher than you realize. Hey, I'm better in pass blocking. Uh, Travion Williams, I, people assume because I'm smaller that I can't pass block, but I can't – like, they've been told, hey – we're looking, you know, if you can't do something in the passing game, people are going to downgrade you. So to that point, if you want to say, you know what, Landon Collins' role as a box safety and great against the run, similar to Eric Reed. I mean, look how long it took for Eric Reed to get a contract. And I know he had the whole kneeling issue, but at the same time, still there was talk even before that that maybe his place in the NFL is starting to be lost, similar to Landon Collins. So I'll understand that. And if you want to go that route. But you can't just take it on its own because you have to take it everything you mentioned. The locker room stuff, the cleaning out his locker, the fact that Gettleman said he possibly wants to save some money for midseason pickups because those just come out of the woodwork during the middle of the season. It has such a great impact, don't they, Chris? Oh, yeah, all the time. (laughs) It's all that stuff. And it's all the fact that you look at this roster and he's spending more on Alec Ogletree then the tag would have been for Collins. And the fact is, if they re-signed him, the tag isn't going to be the hit. And I understand, again, why you might not want him. But you, you look at that defense. You look at his numbers, and I'm not talking about Pro Bowls. Pro Bowls are dumb. I'm just talking about the fact of when this defense was healthy and working, that he had some of the top tackle stops and everything. Like, there's a spot for somebody that that's young, that talented, even if he struggles in the passing game. Yeah, I, I'm gonna like I'm telling you, teams are gonna be licking their chops for for Landon Collins, and there's no question about it. I I get that point of it too. Like, you know, it's it's a different game. You want to spend your money elsewhere. I, I I do understand that, but there are some teams who are Landon Collins away from you know being legitimate contenders, and and you know there's a lot of free agent safeties. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like Earl Thomas, the the they Ravens, all got let go. Like, go very uh, Weddle, yeah. I mean Tyra Matthew, Haha Clinton Dix is another one. Um, yeah, He's so gonna get paid. 
Yeah, there's so there's a lot of, you know, solid safeties out there. So maybe perhaps this is a little bit of a trend, but again, to your point, what I was alluding to earlier is that he was just I just thought he was so key to to their defense, just still, you know, fairly young. Um, what, twenty five right. years old, right? So right. um yeah, I mean leading his team in tackles in, in the four years that he's been there. So um yeah, you mentioned the Pro Bowls, whatever, but deserving at the same time. But yeah, it's well, and look at it this way too. Uh, Mark Barron, you know, he used to be a safety and kind of got dropped down to linebacker. And granted, he's, I don't think, I think he's on the free agency now too, this year. Actually, I feel like Mark Barron every single year, it's up in free agency. It's like, like, all right, we're going to give you another chance. It's cool. Like, my point being is if, you know, maybe, and then maybe they don't. And that's fine. We haven't seen the, the full, the end of the story picture here with the Giants. And maybe I'll hopefully be able to change my tune in two months. But, I look at this and I say, you know what? Maybe he's not the safety you want in today's NFL. Maybe what, what is if you have a hybrid safety linebacker? Because the linebackers for the Giants are not exactly loaded in talent and they're now in a three fours. Maybe you have like a hybrid three, three, one, two. Like, you know, I know that sounds, or not well, one, four, but you understand? It was like maybe he's playing this half linebacker, half safety. You still have two safeties that are more pass happy coverage. And then you have your two-point, like, just he plays a role. The fact that the talent versus what's basically on that team is my problem. So, again, I want to see the rest of the, the answer here before, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, this is the first step of probably a lot of offseason moves with New York. But I look at the Giants and just, like, I look at Eli, 38, what is he, like, 23 million against the cap? Like, they could have done something, I'm sure, to, you know, restructure a couple guys and fit a guy like Collins in. Certainly Eli wants to have a successful season if this is going to be his last or whatever they're going to do at the draft I'm sure they're going to take quarterback this year um but who mm. knows who knows with that team but again they, i'm sure they could have done something to keep collins at least for this season which you know i thought you know if they tag him whatever i think that you know is respectable um to fit him in there but yeah i you're right. This is this is one of maybe we'll judge it. We'll go back and look. Okay, this makes sense. They spent that money here and there, uh, and they got two or three guys as opposed to Colin. So we'll see what happens with them. But I, it's hard for me to give them the benefit of the doubt at this point. So you still have your passport, right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> if draft night rolls around and the sixth pick comes on the board, and somehow somebody hasn't traded up for Dwayne Haskins, and the Giants pass on him, you might want to head to America just to check. Just see if my body's laying. Yeah, I just you're still alive. <laughs> just yeah. I just I, I think that I gotta have some team to root for you. Like the Mets are still banned. The, the Rangers and the Bulls are in full rebuild. Well, actually, the Bulls have now gotten too good where they're not gonna end up with the number one pick. Yeah, what's going on with the Bulls? They're winning basketball games lately. Well, the auto porter was the fir- perfect thing they needed. <laughs> now it's like, hey, you're too good now. But. That aside, uh, and so if the Giants end up in the same boat as the Mets, I'm just going to be mis- like, I'm not going to have anything to root for it. Well, I guess I got Tar Heel basketball, but you know, that's that's you, all. you want you want uh, quarterback at six, Hoskins at six, Haskins at six, yeah, hundred percent, no yeah. question. And and I don't think you're going to get him. I I think well, Oakland's going to take him at four. Uh, I don't know if I could see Oakland taking a quarterback. I think you remember John Gruden's got a little special love for Derek Carr. Ah, does he though? Like, is that love still there? I don't know. I watch uh, a lot of Raiders games and I see some frustration with him. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I will say this. If the Raiders do take a quarterback and you are right, then I underrated Gruden's poker skills. 
I'll, I'll just uh, no, I'm serious. Like, yeah. I like I I believe he's on board with Derek Carr. Maybe they draft somebody later. I just don't think it's going to be round one. Although they do have the ammunition to do so. If he did it with the first pick, he still has two more first rounders. That's the one thing is they have plenty of ammunition to start rebuilding this team. I just could see, I could see them going to a number of different. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if he drafts DK Metcalf <laughs> at number four. <laughs> yeah, I mean that it wouldn't shock anybody. I know thir- three first round picks. Obviously, they need a back, a quarterback, and a wide receiver. They could go that way if they wanted to in the first round. Um, you know, it's it. I'm really intrigued with the draft. You know, we we hardly how insane talk. would that be? That if would be like, like if they went Haskins for Nikhil mm, Harry with a second pick, and then Jacobs or something. Or? Yeah, like Jake's or yeah, reverse those. Like Jake, like yeah. that's they come out of the first round with all skill position quarterback, running back, <laughs> wide receiver. I mean, it, it certainly could happen, right? I mean, it, it and definitely. then I got one for you. They circle back at the top of the second round and take like Noah Fant or T.J. Hawkinson. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm really intrigued with just... Actually kind of entertaining. Yes. <laughs> I'm intrigued by this now. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued <laughs> Can we make this with, happen? with Oakland and what they're going to do. Like that, they're, I'm, you know, they're bringing Mayock and other, Gruden is a full year there. So I am, they're one of the teams that I'm most intrigued. And of course, at the top with, you know, with Murray being a little bit taller than people expected. Everyone started freaking out about that. Like, it almost seems like they have to draft him at one. Obviously, they're pumping up that they're going to because they want to hear what trades are going to happen. But San Fran is in an interesting spot at two because they're not taking a quarterback. And if Oakland wants to move up or other teams want to move up ahead of the Giants or Oakland, I mean, they could move, they could move back. I mean, Bosa and Allen, Williams, like, there's some guys that they could take – and I think that I think Nick Bosa is a stud, but Josh Allen and Quinton Williams, I think would be solid picks for them too, if they want to move back. So it's very interesting. I think we're going to see a lot of trades, man. I really do think that. Well, and yeah, Lynch is not afraid to be the one to trade down. That's for oh, sure. Yeah, we already saw that. Somebody actually asked him on the stage and they said, are you uh, willing to the field office for number two? And he said, yeah, yeah. Are you oh. offering? i I, they're in such a good spot they really are in such a great spot to to move down just one or two places get some picks and and still take a legitimate defensive player um yeah they're in i'm intrigued with them as well oh they're yeah in a terrific spot and somebody is even though you're not supposed to still ask them about like trades and stuff like people you're not allowed to ask because it's tampering like they still ask they asked uh Elway about the whole Case Keenum and all like you can't like they tell you you can't because you can't and then if you know what do you expect people Uh, real quick about the Canadian thing did you know this which you didn't because I didn't Marcus Grant of the NFL Network thought I was from Canada (laughs) did he really yeah (laughs) why did he think that I have no idea maybe because I do a lot of stuff with Pat Mayo and you and stuff like I have no idea he thought I was from Canada he's like so like when did you move and start like, are you permanently in the United States now? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, like, well, you know, from Canada. I'm like, I'm not from Canada, dude. <laughs> like, I'm originally from North Jersey, and I was a kid. I was eight years old when we moved to Virginia, and I've been in Virginia Beach ever since. Like, what the hell are you talking about? So Graham was sitting there, Graham Barfield, the NFL, and now like this turned into a whole running joke with them, like about me being Canadian. You being a Canadian. <laughs> he like asked me like Canadian stuff later that night, like. Yeah. So, I have a game for you, Chris, real quick. Okay, okay. I want you to tell me, is this an American thing or a Canadian thing? 
All right, fair. I'll see how much you know your own country. Uh, all right, put me on the spot here. Was daylight savings time started in America or Canada? I think that was started in uh, America. No, nope. first adapted Ontario, Canada in 1908. Oh, man, I hate daylight savings times too. So do I. It's coming up this damn weekend. Like, I feel like they keep, I, you know what they're doing? I said for the longest time, if it was like, oh, you should run for president. Like I, my one campaign would be end daylight savings time. Like that would be my campaign. <laughs> I feel like it's getting early and earlier because they're going to keep moving it back. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like the week after we jump back for, or whatever it is. And they're just going to get rid of it. Like that's what they're trying to do. Slowly just wean it out. Yeah, it makes no sense. I, I, I thought that it didn't originate here in Canada because I know Saskatchewan doesn't like they don't change their clocks ahead or back at all so I thought like you know perhaps they were the ones who just never did it at all and they were fine with it and uh, maybe a couple other provinces up here you know followed suit but it's disappointing to hear that Jake <laughs> it is all right trivial pursuit where was it invented America or Canada well America nope in <laughs> Canada it was invented in 1979 by Chris Haney and Scott Abbott yep in Canada. All right. How about this one? Let's see. Uh, Santa Claus. Is he Canadian or American? It's got to be Canadian. He, uh, there you go. You got one. So yeah. according to the Huff Post and Canada Post, he is Canadian and that's where he started. At least if you go according to your government up there. So Santa <laughs> Claus is apparently Canadian. All right, sounds about right. You know, a nice guy giving some gifts away for you know, the kids and people. That sounds right. <laughs> That's fair. All right. So Thanksgiving, American or Canadian? Canadian. Uh, that's Canadian. Oh, I tried to trip you up. Very well done. Yeah. That's the fact that it dates back to the Northwest Passions in Newfoundland in 1578. Yes. Did you learn that somewhere? I, I did know that. I have some, uh, some family members from Newfoundland. You know, they're proud, proud Newfies, man. Like anything that, you know, comes from Newfie or Newfoundland or, you know, originated there, they're 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 very proud and they, they like to raise their right hand. Yes, so I that that's something that I did know. The other okay. the other three questions I completely guessed. All right, then Labor Day. Did it Labor start Day. in Canada or America? Uh, that one is America. Nope. These are all Can Canadian. Canada, eighteen seventy two, first Labor Day event. Wow. America didn't start till a decade later. How about that? How about that? Wow. Yes. All right basketball where is basketball found that's, that's canada yeah that's i think it might be halifax uh quebec is that where halifax is no it's not <laughs> it's wrong oh, no wait that's just, no that's actually just says where they're from so oh, okay Dr. smith invented it in 1891 10 yeah. of the university students oh that's at least 10 of the university students is, were from quebec for, we're from Quebec. Okay, yeah. You know, in Canada, we like we have these heritage commercials. <laughs> it's so <laughs> jokes. Uh, like things that they invented or things that they're proud of, and that's one. That's there's this commercial that I remember from a kid, and our like they're in a gym, they're they're putting up garbage cans and cutting a hole in a garbage can. That was like the basket. That was the net, and they're just playing basketball like three on three. So like that will I'll always remember that that basketball is originating in Canada. All right, kind of trip you up. Uh, the two that I thought I could trip you up the most on it. I didn't get you. All right. Is Hawaii pizza from America or Canada? Ooh. Uh, America. <laughs> nope. Hawaiian pizza is from Canada. <laughs> I should just say Canada for all of them. But yeah. So the late Sam Panopoulos moved from Greece to Canada. And, and when he was 20 years old, 
1962 in one of his Ontario restaurants put pineapple pizza, pineapple on the pizza, quote, just for the fun of it to see how it was going to taste. And it took off. Do you like it? Are you a fan? Oh, no, not at all. No, I'm not a huge fan either. My dad loves pineapple on his pizza. Citrus fruits do not belong on pizza. No, no. And I preface that with citrus because I said fruit one time and tomatoes are a fruit. You know what I mean. (laughs) So I'll just take the argument out immediately and say citrus fruits. Tomato, tomato, yeah. And whatever apple fruits are, like whatever their genre is. So like uh, just fruits that aren't tomatoes. How about that? Yeah. Although, are peppers technically fruits too? I forget. I don't care. You people know what I'm talking about. How about this one? There's two more. Did IMAX start in America or Canada? Uh, I feel like it should have started in America, but the trend is saying Canada. I'm going to go with America. I should have went with the trend because it was in Canada. And wow. 1967 is where it started. 1967. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize it had been around for that long. So we get it done up here. So far, Chris, nine questions, <laughs> all nine Canadian. Last one. Which country has more gun stores than grocery stores? Okay. Yeah. That one I know is in America. There you go. Final question. American. That I only, one I know. I only found an American question because all the other nine were, you won't believe this is actually Canadian. Uh, yeah, you're right. As a Canadian, I did not believe any of those besides the basketball that I knew. But uh, and Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving one. But that's just because of my, fa- my crazy family. But, um, yeah, I mean, wow. So we're <laughs> – what were the guys just saying? Like you love pineapple pizza and no, 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 no. I just I no. looked this up after the fact. Oh, you looked it up. Hey, okay. Yeah, I was like, hey, let me see if I can find some things that people assume are Canadian but are yeah. actually American. But I actually wow. found the reverse. I found the people assume these are American and actually Canadian. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I've tried to go purchase a gun, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't know where to go. <laughs> people would apologize for not having them in the store for you. That's, that's true. That's right. I saw I saw your um, the picture that you posted on Twitter about holding the door. I, I chuckled. It's completely true. Oh, that, that's so the, great. The, yeah, you hold it to be nice, and then it's a little awkward when it's too long, and then it's you. <laughs> what the hell are you doing when it's like way too far away? And I've been that even... person who has you know looked back. I always look back, always um, to hold the door open. You know. But I've been that person who I've held it on too long where it gets awkward. Uh, and then you don't even get a thank you. And it's like, well, yeah, I didn't even bother. Like, thanks, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to do this for you. Uh, but I've been that person. And I've also, you know, held on too long as well, where it's just like, <laughs> and they, they, they well, like stop. Honestly, like, it's, it's, it's an art form to like learn because so for people, for the very first thing that Chris is referencing, I said your three options when I hold the door for you is one, say thank you, two, acknowledge it and just keep going, which that's like a head nod or something like that. Sure. I said three or be the asshat lady who just walked through, ignored me. Meanwhile, carrying a bag and a soda so her hands were full. Like I don't, I'm not looking for, I'm just... And for people out there saying, like, oh, I'm looking for affirmation. Like, no, I'm just no, saying no. be a good human. That's yeah. what my point is. Just acknowledge somebody did something for you as a human to be friendly. Like, we, we need to be better at interacting with each other. But that panel that you're talking about, Chris, was hilarious. But I say it is art form because, as you said, when you look back, you kind of get people know what, exactly what I'm talking about here. There's that space between you and the next person where it's in that middle ground of is this going to be too long to hold the door 
or am I going to go through and the door is going to close in their face? And that's what you, that's the conundrum you're dealing with when you say that. So you either have to start to slow down your pace as you get to the door so they get closer. That's the one thing. Or speed up and just go through the door, which might look like you're being a jerk, but it's, it's, or you're left with what you said, Chris, you're standing there for 15 minutes and then you force the person to kind of jog and hurry up. That's yeah. like, so it's kind of like, at least that's an acknowledgement that like, Hey, you opened the door for me, but you never want to be the person holding the door that you just made somebody jog to catch up to your door. Right. Yeah. I always take a little peek and I, you know, there is a little bit of a grace period there where you, you, you leave it open or you just go. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I did it the other day just in my building with the elevator. <laughs> and I saw somebody coming up the stairs and she was pregnant. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to. She wasn't when you started hoping to do <laughs> Yeah, she wasn't. And I saw her come up a couple <laughs> steps and I'm like, oh, well, she's pregnant. So I might as well open the, hold this elevator door open for her. And I did. And, um, you know, I didn't expect a thank you, but I thought it was, you know, decent of me to to hold it and she just seemed cranky like i know she's gone through some stuff probably and no yeah. eye contact nothing um and just a weird look like i push my button to go and it comes goes up the elevator it was almost like i should have pushed her floor because she like looked at me <laughs> and then looked at the numbers not press and then kind of rolled her eyes it was like maybe she was just like oh i'm, I'm not with it today and i don't know my number i haven't pushed it but it seemed like well you're not going to push my floor number two it's well like, i mean chris oh. you just did hold the door for five minutes so yeah and it was a while, actually. I held it. I was like, is she coming? <laughs> Should I go? <laughs> you look out, the door closes behind you. Because oh, <laughs> I've actually been on the other side of that, too, where I just want to go up to my floor, and I'm just like, I'm pushing the button, the close button, and I see somebody coming, I'm just, and the door's closed. I'm like, sorry, it just, and then the, and then the door shuts, and I'm, and I'm an asshole for it, but i don't think i've ever done that i've done the i pulled up my phone to fake look at it to delay before i open the door no just because i don't want to be stuck in that i'm holding especially during like really cold time because you don't want to be a jerk to the store right hold the, open the door and let all their heating out and then you don't want to have the other person end up in that whole conundrum like oh do i jog to catch up like it's just the politeness like it's the politeness when you're crossing the street and you give that fake i'm going to hurry up like you move your arms and legs a little bit more even though you're not moving faster you're acknowledging I'm trying to get out of your way. Like, you know, it's like, I see you. I know I'm inconveniencing you. I'm going to like acknowledge that at least. Like, I'm just going to be a yeah. good person. <laughs> good person, Jake. I, that's why I like you, buddy. Speaking of good people, mm. I think Bryce Harper is officially a Philadelphia Philly. Not good people for everybody. <laughs> hey, not good airport. Holy, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, I was so aggravated. The entire airport is Pepsi. I've and never, I've, I've drove into Philly a couple of times, never flew in. Really? And I didn't even know, see, I knew like Pepsi and Coke will take over sports stadiums or even sports in general. Like I think the NFL is all Pepsi or something or one of them, but I understood that. I've never seen an airport where it also changed chains that are one of the others. So if for everybody that doesn't know, Chick-fil-A is Coke, but the Chick-fil-A in the airport is Pepsi. Which aggravated me because I was walking around. Look, I'm a Coke person, and I was walking. Around, I'm not here. I'm a Coke person, <laughs> Coca-Cola person. And Joe Rogan over guy. here. Speak for yourself. I'm a Pepsi guy. You, you, yeah, you liked a little bit of Coke. I see. But I walked around to like one of those little shops. It didn't have it. I came back around, and that's when I saw that the Chick Fil A had it too. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm screwed. I'm guessing getting Pepsi. But anyway, so. Harper is going to be dealing with that airport. He is officially, well, not the same one. He's got his personal plane. <laughs> he, he can afford it too. Yeah. Here's, 
real quick before we get to the actual fantasy baseball side of Chris, were you surprised by the contract? Because my first reaction was he's getting significantly less than Machado per year. He's getting 30 more as a whole, but it's over 13 years instead of 10 for the 300. And I was sitting there, and Mike Clay pointed out and said it this way, and I'm kind of curious, maybe that was your thought, is what he had, because he was the other way. He's completely on the other side of it. He said, all right, if he's 36 in 10 years, I said, he goes, how many contract, how many people are making 30 million at that point? And I thought he meant at first 30 million a year. I'm like, well, nobody. He goes, well, exactly. He's getting the extra 30 million. I was like, oh, you mean like his next contract? I said, uh, it's, that's fringy because we're talking about 10 years from now. Like right now, somebody at 36, even at the top of their game, probably, what would you guess, Chris? Like seven, you know, even if you're like yeah. really like, and I mean top of the game for 36 year olds. I don't mean top of their game for their ability because they're not at that point. So now when he pointed it out in that way and said, all right, well, if he's 36, even getting a three-year, 10-per-year contract or two years at 15 each is probably not going to happen. Again, this is 10 years in the future. We might be seeing $500 million contracts as, as a commonality, but I still thought it was interesting that he went for the 13 at significantly less per year than what we had initially thought. Yeah, I was too. I mean, you know, Jake Arrieta is making 25 per year on his team, right? So, I mean, I was I was surprised with, the 13 years, I was surprised with the money. I was surprised with the no trade clause, like he, like no opt out. I was surprised with that. Um, and then the more I think about it, the more I truly just, I've been saying this from day one with Mike Trout. I just feel like it's, it's such a great possibility, even before Harper going there, but probably in talks with Philadelphia, like, listen, we want to do more. Like, we want you. We'll give you X amount of dollars, more money, as to, you alluded to it, than Manny Machado over, you know, the 13 years. Um, but maybe you just go, you know, smaller per year so we can, you know, get a guy like Trout and, or get somebody else and stay competitive over time. So, um, you know, yes and no. A little bit surprised with some of the things I talked about, but um, he definitely could have gotten more. He left more money on the table per year for sure. I mean, you hear reports about Washington would have paid him until he was like 60 years old. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like through the front office or whatever. That I was. See, I don't know how much of that. Is, like I saw, did you see the one was like the 45 for a year for the yeah. first three? Yeah. 45 per year. I mean, that's almost, you're getting close to almost double, right. Of For what he's getting per year um, now with Philadelphia. So yeah, you know, the White Sox, I think came out the Dodgers, Obviously, Washington, I'm sure there were some other teams that, you know, would have just paid up more per year as well. So a little bit surprising. No DH, maybe that, you know, I don't know what, and I know Clay is a Philadelphia guy, and I'm, I know the city is, is buzzing, but, at, you know, 13 years from now with, with Harper, I don't know if he's going to last, man. I don't, he, he plays reckless. He plays real reckless. He's not there a great, to, there has a great fielder. By that point. Yeah, has, there definitely will be. I mean, I think that there 100% will be. And that'll help him because, again, I don't think he's a, he's a great fielder. I don't. Um, and he's, I mean, he's run into the wall numerous times over his career. He's had a couple injuries. Some have been freaks, sliding into bases or whatnot. But uh, I don't know if he's going to last, man. I think we'll be looking at, at Harper in, in, you know, seven years. And I don't know how Philly fans will be thinking, <laughs> thinking about him. But, hey, they landed him. It's, it's great for their team. You know, getting into a fantasy, stand, fantasy standpoint from it, it's, you know, it's a slight upgrade for him. Of course, not did ballpark, you, but it's a great team. when they met off the plane and yeah. the GM told uh, um, Rosenhaus, he said, you're one patient SOB? Mm-hmm. 
and he is. And I was wondering if he even wanted to play baseball, right? I mean, we're spring training was already happening. We were a week into it. And... I wasn't wondering that. I was just wondering, like, how much does he really not want to play for the Phillies? <laughs> and a lot of people were talking, and myself included, like maybe only Philadelphia is truly interested in here, interested in him, and that's why he's he's dragging this on a little bit. And then you hear the Dodgers now they're they're really. Yeah. I legitimately thought he was going to be open to taking a short term with the Dodgers because I thought that's like that's the team he wanted to play for because yeah. it was quote unquote close to home in Thank Vegas. You. But I mean, that's just what I. I did so you fantasy was. Did oh, you see ahead. his interview of, with bringing home a championship to DC? Yeah, <laughs> it's like just didn't even clue in that he. I understand he's been saying that stuff for a few years now in Washington, but like this is where I want to be. Love the fan base. Want to bring back a championship to DC, and is and he just kept going. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what did he just say? <laughs> did, did I catch that? Correct? What? Uh, yeah, that was great. So fantasy wise, I did. I moved up his projections barely. I think it was like two percent because, it, look, he's hitting in an amazing ballpark for half of his games. I mean, we're talking not that far behind Colorado. Um, the the altitude is going to not. Uh, he doesn't have the situation where the average is going to necessarily see a high increase with because people will sidebar the real quick here, Chris is the Colorado aspect isn't so much just about the home runs for people that aren't, aren't informed out there because there's been studies on this point this out. It's like people assume it's just, oh, more home runs in Colorado. It's not just that. Part of the reason people said Ian Desmond would do better there was because people thought his average would go up because breaking pitches break less and they flatten out the pitches. And that's the area Ian Desmond struggles the most with is breaking pitches. Like Joe Boo out there can't hit a curveball. In fact, this is like, that's why. So he doesn't have that going for him. I'm not saying that Bryce Harper struggles, but everybody's going to struggle to hit breaking pitches more than a flat fastball. So he doesn't have that, but he does have the ballpark, which will help home runs. He does have a pretty daggone lineup around him, similar to the Nationals when they were healthy. So that kind of offsets and becomes even. So now you just kind of look at the fact like, yeah, I think you give him about a 2 to 5% boost in power, which obviously boosts everything else. And maybe with all the stuff behind him, he can get to hitting a better average. But I think we look at him for fantasy purposes, Chris, and more years than not, clearly for people that want to use his three or four year average, you're including the insane MVP year. And I'm not saying you ever toss anything out because you know I hate when people do that. You don't take away a 60 yard run because that's part of the guy's game. Mm-hmm. But if you take those that year out as the outlier, he wouldn't be the first person to have an outlier season, Brady Anderson. Although I know Brady Anderson's was a whole different reason why. My point being, the rest of the career, you know who he is. And at this point, Bryce Harper looks like a mid-200 hitter with 30 home run pop and the numbers that come with it. Yeah, I, I you know, I think he's overrated slightly. I, I really do. I think in the fantasy world and I think in the in the real world, he's he's slightly overrated. You take away that – and then you're right. You can't take away the 330 average, but even with that 330 average, he's a career 279 hitter. I mean, he's 249 last year, 243 in 2016. Yeah, he walks a ton. Great. You know, you're playing an on-base percentage. Yeah, league. that definitely helps. That definitely helps. He he gets the upgrade there slightly. Look at the his on-base percentage over the past couple of years have been – have been solid. Uh, I still think he chases some pitches. He gets impatient because he doesn't get those strikes. Like Trout will take his walk and he'll be fine with that. And I don't see him chase 
garbage pitches where I see this sometimes from Harper. He gets in these trends where maybe he's sick of walking. He just wants to swing the bat. And I, I get that. Um, the move to Philadelphia, you mentioned it. It's one of Citizens Bank is one of the best ballparks in, in terms of ESPN park factors. It's like number two, I think, over the past couple of years. When yeah. I was looking at Gene Segura, Segura coming over, you know, a slight increase maybe with his home runs this season. Um, so it's a great lineup. You bring in McCutcheon, Segura off the top. Hoskins probably in for a career year. They bring in Real Muto. It's a, it's a nice lineup. I all of a sudden have interest in Mikel Franco a little bit from, you know, whether he's going to hit in six or seven. He's going to have some RBI opportunities as well. But uh, I he, he didn't even move really. Like you, you mentioned a slight increase in some of your projections. I still had him as outfielder six, I think maybe 15th overall. That's, that's oh, see, I, didn't, I didn't have him that high initially. That's why. Yeah. So I still, I still have him there, but I, I think he's more of a, yeah. Even with my boost, I have him at eight. Hitter. Yeah. Eight, I, eight, you you probably outfield. rather have stand and judge. I think that's where you're getting your. Yep, I have both of them right ahead of him. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's where you're going to get into. Well, here's an intriguing one. Let me pose it to you this way, Chris. All right. Basically, same average. Which would you rather have? Would you rather have blank outfielder, which you know where I'm going. One of them is going to be is Harper. But would you rather have Harper, or I will say, well, instead of doing player A versus player B, I'll just do it that way. Would you rather have Harper or player X? Would you rather have Harper, or would you rather have an additional 15 home runs? You lose all of the steals, all 13 steals, and then you also have 21 more runs in RBI scores. So you get 21 more runs in RBI. You get 14 more home runs, but you lose the 13 steals. Which player would you rather have? Yeah, I'm fine with losing the steals. I'm, I'm, so, fine. I'm fine with losing the steals because... You'd it, rather it's have... My it's my... Yeah. Chris Davis. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. See? And that's the thing. No, and I... I'm not saying I'm in a draft. I'm not taking Harper before Davis because I am. Because we're the reason, and we all said this is why you don't just do player A versus player B and just leave the story as it is. Because yeah. there's also a ceiling that we know and we've seen. And the ceiling is if even if he gets right. halfway to that season, that halfway point is going to outperform Chris Davis by a good amount because now he's getting back to 40 home runs and the same amount of runs in RBIs. And now he's got 15 stolen bases and a better average. So that you pay for the ceiling. So I'm taking Harper yeah. before I take Chris Davis off the board in the draft. But I was going to your point in the fact that so far to his career, he's overrated. Yeah, he, he definitely is. Uh, yeah, and I've been saying this for a couple of years, but, you know, he got his money. Good for baseball. Good for some of these other guys, like Trout said it too, like good for Arenado, good for Machado, good for Harper, you know, getting paid, getting their money. They waited it out. They were super patient and they got what they wanted, which was, you know, 300 plus million. But I, yeah, I do. I think he's, I think Harper is slightly overrated because of the averages, um, you know, and RBIs, whatever. We can joke about him all we want, but it's funny to think that he, I know he had 99 in an MVP season you're talking about, but last year was the first time in his career where he had 100 RBIs and only the second time where he's had 100 runs. So you're definitely paying for the ceiling. You're definitely paying for the ceiling. Uh, but he's not moving up. Like I saw some people ask me, you don't have him as a first-round pick? Like, no, I don't. I don't have Bryce Harper as a first-round talent. And, hey, that's fair. Do you know where he went in the Tout Wars draft last night? No, actually. Uh, you want to take a guess? complaining about, about yeah. that. Yeah. You want to take, take a guess? Did he go in the first? He went in the first. That's for sure. I'm wow. giving you top. He went fifth? Fourth. Come on. Come off it. Don't buy Christ. all of the risk. That's so crazy. That's actually oh, you. Wow. you 
you actually, I think you pretty much put a 10% risk cap on top of the risk. Like, yeah. what are you doing? It's, it's, yeah, it's disappointing to, to hear that, to see Now that. he has to be the MVP season. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's- and again, we've seen the average sub 250, two of his last three years. We've seen it now. That's, that's so bad. Oh, wow. So real quick, fire some stuff for fantasy baseball for everything. Uh, Byron Buxton barely moved up in my rankings because I told people to chill out over like four games. And he's still Byron Buxton. He still has health concerns. He still has, is he going to cap out on his ability concerns? Did you move him up at all or would you move him up at all? Uh, no, I, I haven't because it's good to see. I still, I, I probably have him higher than most. Uh, I have some concerns for sure, but like, you know, if he's going to go outfielder, 50 i'm fine with actually taking that risk but yeah i'm not taking his spring what he did in the first couple like what was it two home runs i think he was like 10 for 10 with like 10 rbis and then he and then the next couple days he struck out a ton so it's like are you moving him up because of the home runs and then are you moving him back down because of the strikeouts like let's let's see the whole spring play out but i have some still some concerns but i actually kind of believe in um him slightly to to a point where i don't mind uh, if he's going to fall down the draft board, but I'm not going to take him early. Like Jake, I saw him go like ninth, you know, in a, you know, I know his best ball did a best ball fan tracks a month ago. I think I took him pick two seventy three, Yeah. Like 18th round. And then I see him ninth, like a week later. Uh, don't get, don't <laughs> fall into that trap. Right. He's, no. he's fine for his ADP if he actually goes there, but don't be reaching on Buxton because of a nice sprint. Please don't. Uh, Miguel Sano is out until at least May. So that's for everybody out there that needs to know about that. Marwan Gonzalez is going to have a full-time job at this point. We kind of assumed he would be that super utility and get close to it. But now he's going to play every single day for people out there. The surprising, what do you know, the Mets are Mets scene, Chris. Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier are both hurt and questionable for opening day. (laughs) Uh, Hey, did I not tell Joe 15,000 times that the Jed Lowry signing was idiotic? But at the same time, hey, maybe we get some Pete Alonzo, although Dominic Smith is playing well too, which means the Mets can do what the Mets are going to do and try to get another year of Peter Alonzo under control, which means end of April, whatever that random floating date is that depends on when other people get called up happens. Super 2 is so stupid. God, oh. it's like one of the, it's not only is it one of the worst rules in all sports, the fact that you can get an extra year of control of a player, which is basically like you're trying to steal money from them to keep them underpaid, which is understandable from their side of it. But the, uh, to top it off with it's not a set date, it's just – it's so – like if you said it was April 25th, I'd be like, all right, it's still stupid, but at least whatever. The fact that it depends on when the first one gets called up and then the percentage of – like it's just so stupid. And and it's not good for baseball at all. It's not good. You want to see some of these young guys. People are freaking out here in Toronto. Like, I'm not a Jays fan, but people are really starting to lose their mind when they hear the organization say things like Vladimir Guerrero is not major league ready. He doesn't, they don't view him as like a, a major leaguer right now. Like, what else does he have to prove in AAA? <laughs> Nothing. He He's a great hitter. And he don't, like, it's disrespectful, for one, for all the, the intelligent baseball fans yeah. in this area to hear well, look that. at it. Chris, would you not say, at least in the top 20, because some people might not, you know, they'll rank them differently, but potentially Vladimir Guerrero, Fernando Tatis Jr., Eloy Jimenez, Peter Alonso are all probably at least top 20. Three of those are probably top 10. Two of those we know are number one and number two talents in, in coming up in baseball. All four of them, 
probably start the year in the minors to have control over their future. Yeah, it's it's not good, right? It's the only sport. It's the only sport. You see everybody else who's good enough to play on their teams are playing on their teams and they're selling tickets. Yeah. Like it you I Let's mean, go back to last year. Imagine if Saquon Barkley was, hey, right. he's not gonna start until week four because we want an extra year of control. It's such a joke. Yeah, it, people would lose their minds. They would lose their minds. And I know Rogers Center will sell out here opening weekend, whatever. I think they're playing the Yankees, so for sure they're sell out. But after that, people won't really be going to the ballpark. But when Vlad Guerrero Jr. comes here and he's playing consistently, it'll be oh, they'll be the roof. yeah, people will be here watching them play, and they're not a good baseball team. Like they're not a good team. The lineup is bad. The pitching is atrocious. So why not have a guy like Vlad there to start the season to get some excitement? I know maybe I can't even give Toronto the benefit of the doubt that they're going to bring him up in three and a half weeks or whatever it is. Like I just. I don't know. I like hearing the comments from from Ross Atkins lately. I just, I really don't know. Like if he's gonna do it, that's it could that's be bad for baseball. Ones. I mean, it's the same. Yeah, Chris Bryant went through it. Gregory Polanco went through it. I mean, we, this is not the first time. It's not going to be the last. No, no, it's well, not. Well, I should say this. It's about to be the last. What next year? Because that CBA coming up, they're not going to fly with this. I can. No, they're going to change it. They're going to change. Yeah, it. somebody's. Yeah, this is going to get changed real quick. Uh, the other two big ones is. Uh, Domingo Santana, my boy, is mm. mashing. I'm actually annoyed by this because he went. Now he's going to go up. Yeah, he was free. He was like, his ADP was outside of your typical 12 team standard size roster draft. He was free. People forgot. Do you know, real quick, and we're going to last two because we got to get out of here. Do you know where he ranked outfielder wise two years ago when he had, it wasn't even a spectacular season. It was just a really good all around season. Do you know, we want to take a he, guess? He was probably like, 30? Outfielder nope. 35 or something? No. Nope. Is he higher than that? He was outfielder 10. 10. Well, I know because I'm, I'm with you. I'm big on him as well. And I, I see the home runs. I think he's got two now. And I see them and I'm like, ah, he's going to go up now. I got to. And I'm fine with making that reach that late in the draft because it doesn't really feel like a reach. You get the guy you want. Um, but I'm with you when I start to see this because he's going to play left. Like Jay Bruce is, is going to play a little bit there. He's going to play some first. They can DH him. Edwin DH, like whatever, like he's going to play, but he had a combined, what, 45 home runs and stolen bases that year. Like people yep, are forgetting two, about some of the 278 for people don't remember 278, 30 and 15 and 88 and 85 and runs in RBI. Yeah. So I think he's a great like produced across the board. And yeah. look, I took it on the chin last year. I had him way too high, uh, partly because that last, that late signing, which who was it? Was it Kane that was second or was it Yelich that was second? Whichever uh, yeah, I, th- I think they signed Kane and then they brought in Yelich. But yeah, so it was like that whole late move and then he got squeezed out and granted struggled at the beginning of the year and they got sent to AAA and they got bounced around. So last year ended up just being a lost season for him. But full-time job in Seattle. The Seattle ballpark, not envious, especially when you talk about the comparisons to the Brewers, but that's why I don't have him for 30 and 15. I still have him as a very worthy outfielder three that is still going nowhere. Oh, yeah. It's going to keep climbing by the day. There's the advantage of drafting early versus drafting late, but the downside of it is, and we'll stop on this one, Chris, and get out of here, Luis Severino, who shoulder injury supposedly came back with nothing more severe where he might need surgery, but is going to miss the start of the season. Now you get dicey because I'll tell you, like projections-wise, I dropped his innings down to – here, I'll give you the exact number. For anybody who wants to go to the website and check them out, they're updated as of today. I dropped his innings down to about 160. 
So he's right in line with Clayton Kershaw, which drops him down to pitcher 14 between Walker Bueller and Patrick Corbin and James Paxton. And I got to be honest, if I'm on the board, depending on like, if I took Kershaw, there's no way I'm considering taking Severino. No, it's one of the two, right? Uh, you, right. Eight, okay. but it's just like same thing. Syndergaard, no way I'm taking them. Anybody with like a, a blip of a concern, I'm not taking them and doubling up with Severino. But if I took like, Kluber, oh no, there's a concern. Carrasco, Carrasco's been the steady one. If I took Carrasco, then I might consider it, but between Severino, Corbin, and Paxton on the board, I, I probably lean towards Corbin and Paxton, even though they've had their own issues. At least they're, the thing is, is they're not starting with the issue. Yeah, what's interesting about that tier, and I moved them down to, to 17, so I moved them down five spots. Like, yeah, so like I got Corbin and Paxton and Flaherty and Tyon ahead of him, but I, he's right in that. It's like Severino, Strasburg, and Kershaw. Like, pick your poison. What do you want from one of those three guys, right? It's funny, Pat just released a video today of Garen and I talking about, you know, the top 25 starting pitchers, and we looked at Severino. So this video came out before we hear the Severino news, and we were wondering, like, the second half, lost a little bit of velocity, giving us some home runs. Like, what Severino are we going to get from this guy? For me now, it's – I don't really want to take that risk. But it's interesting with that tier because you're right. Syndergaard has had some issues. Corbin's had some issues. How many innings is Bueller going to get in his first full year? Are we fully believing in Flaherty? I think so. But Paxson's had some issues. Strasburg, Kirsch. Like, these guys have it's – it's an interesting tier of high risk and, and you know, high reward, really. But I, it's, he's a, he's, I'll be honest, red flag for me. I, I, we mentioned it before with was it Carlos Martinez? No thanks. Yeah. When I hear these guys, oh he's way down. Severino, Carlos Martinez. I'm hearing uh, Fulton Evich now dealing with an elbow. Maybe he's fine. Red flag. It's all they're all red. Kevin Gossman, that one actually like shoulder. They're because all red was, flags for me. Well, that one annoys. Uh, Carlos Martinez is down to 81 now at this point. Oh uh, yeah, the Fulton Evich one annoys me because I was off him, and I'm kind of like I prefer when people are overspending on people I don't believe in. And now they're not. So that kind of, do you want to take a guess? And granted, projections usually skew a little bit conservative, but do you want to know how many pitchers I had for over 200 innings this year? Ooh, let's see. Five, six? Six. six. Really good. And they're all on the side of the top nine, except for Zach Grinke down at like 18. And then there's only about another five or six that I even have for 190 innings plus because I brought this up in the article. Do you know how many pitchers pitched 200 innings last year? Six. More than that. No. <laughs> 13. Was that 13? Okay. It was 13. It's good. Well, the thing is, also the two years before that, it was 15 to 15, right. which is down from before that. It's continuing to go down. And again, I say that because, you know, all these guys go one extra outing. Now all of a sudden we have 13 people with 200 innings. But the point being, and what you're talking about is, this is on the flip side, and this is where we'll end it, is why I'm still okay if we get better reports. Obviously not today. I don't feel great. But if we get better reports about Clayton Kershaw in a week, if I'm getting 165 innings of Clayton Kershaw, yeah. that's 165 elite innings. I'll find the 30, 40 innings yeah. somewhere else. I'd rather have 165 innings of Clayton Kershaw than 195 innings of John Lester. You yeah, know, that's 100%. Because- Right, because the replacement value for the 30 innings is not going to drag Kershaw down enough to not still be a combined pitcher that's better than Lester. Right, and that's something I talked about with Gary and as well is is I've never like 
last year I didn't want to touch Kershaw because of the back and the DL. I didn't want to spend that high of a pick. But if he's going to fall down to to your point to you know where he goes in drafts, where if you're just going to get 160 innings from him at that point, it's completely worth it. Like if he's going to fall down to the 80s or the 90s overall, then fine, I'm willing to take that risk. Like I'm that's upside to me. I just don't want to spend that high pick on someone. And I feel that way about say like, do you have Chris Sale as a guy who's going to get 200 innings? I mean, they babied him. I do because it was the first year, the three yeah. years before that was 200 200 200 yeah and i wonder if this is just i wonder though man like the way his torque is on his body the way he pitches the way they babied him down the stretch and into the postseason and the velocity was downgraded slightly when he came back i i and then i wonder if that's a guy like maybe i just pass on him you know in the first and i don't and look somebody asked about that in one of the comment sections of my rankings and i said if you're on the side that you are i'm not saying i'm right I, but if you're on that, I have no problem if you want to pass on him. I actually have Chris Sale as my number one pitcher because the 30 to 40 extra strikeouts oh, versus the, like he's cute and like the ratios are going to be there. So somebody asked, and that was the whole point. Somebody asked is like, you know, Scherzer's for 20, 25 more innings, but Sale ranks ahead. And, as, and that's what I was explaining. You have to inf- include the ratios, the strikeouts and stuff. Things weight differently. So, you know, you could get three more wins and all of a sudden he's the better pitcher anyway. Like James, James Baxter could have worse numbers and all of a sudden through, like that's the problem with baseball. But yeah, yeah. Um, my point being is I see, I know about your torque, but I feel like he's also st- still has some similarities, obviously not as tall, but to Randy Johnson where I'm not, if he was Pedro Martinez size, obviously, even if he was six one and you know, a buck 90, I would feel more concerned, but because he is the size he is and he throws more from a, like, not over top as much as it is that almost Randy Johnson. Like I'm less concerned. And again, I could be wrong, but watching him, I I think it was just a one year that just seemed to kind of everything went wrong for him last year. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong because he's, I hope I'm wrong because yeah, if he gives you, you know, what do you do? 150 some odd innings last year. If he gives you 170, he's yeah, the best pitcher in baseball. His last section of innings were granted. There weren't a lot of them. But the last section of innings to finish out the year were great. People, yeah. like, in, for, for people that know, when he came back in August and September, it was 17 innings, and he only gave up five earned runs and struck out, I think it was 30 or something. Yeah, it was 30 and 17 innings. Yeah, he was, he was phenomenal. I just wondered about the Red Sox. Like, maybe they're just being super cautious. Because, like, I, I looked into it last night because he was, you know, fantasy pros asked to come out with a bus in the top 10 pitchers or whatever. And it's so hard to say anything negative about these guys because they're all elite. Like, they're all studs. But I was looking, like, his, I think he had nine outings from when he came back in September off the second DL stint, and he didn't get out of the fifth in eight of them. But I think that's just – and he was – to your point, he was amazing when he pitched, of course. And I think maybe they were just, you know, they're just being cautious and just kind of looking at the big picture like we need sale in the postseason. But – I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong on him because, yeah, he's he's great. But they're – Jake, every time you hear about pitchers, like we haven't heard about him yet, but we hear about Severino, I go back, man. Every time I've heard about a pitcher dealing with something in the preseason, it's never good. It's never a good thing. Like, look at you, Darvish. Like, oh, no, Darvish will be fine. He'll come around. Like, he never came around. Like, so Oh, he got the best shape of his life thing. Did you hear that? Yeah, oh, yeah, buying into that. So – um, anytime I hear something about pitch yes. well or something like that, <laughs> just... yeah, and, and and his price point isn't his ADP is if you want to take a shot on him, fine. Like it's not like you're taking a top twenty. Like last year, you had to pay what top twenty, top twenty five. So I mean, this year you don't have to, but 
yeah, I mean, you were off of Fulte, I and I agreed. Now, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear, you know, you don't want to hear about a pitcher this time of the year dealing with elbow issues. No. Oh, I lied. I'm going to close out the show, but I'll get a quick hit. If the Lakers miss the playoffs. Oh, they're missing that, it. Okay. When they're the Lakers miss the playoffs, <laughs> does that, how much does that ding LeBron James' career? It could be just a one-off. You could look back at this and be, and we'll, they'll talk about LeBron and, oh, you know, remember that year with the Lakers when, you know, he finished like 12th in the West and it was brutal. Um, maybe that just, that's the outlier because he did, he still had gone to eight or nine straight finals. Right. So, right. but I look at this, I it's, I'm a huge LeBron fan. And when I look at over the past couple of weeks, what I've seen from him, it's not good, man. And it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's brutal. Like it's, they were fine before he got hurt. Like they were in fourth place before he missed 18 games. I wonder if that was it, but then you hear, you know, he, they want to trade the whole team, doesn't like the coach. And then Lakers say, no, 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 we didn't want to trade anybody. And then Magic Johnson says, well, well, the Pelicans tried to lowball us. Like, uh, so then obviously they did try to trade everybody. But you're looking at the Lakers right now. Like They lost to the Phoenix Suns the other day. The Phoenix Suns, the worst team in the league. And that game wasn't even close. So I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. They're, what are they right now? They're, wow, they're like, they're six games, five and a half games back right now. Wow. And it's they have too many teams to chase. Their schedule is super tough, and they just don't look good. Do you see LeBron? Some of the things that he's doing, like, did you see when he passed the ball and he hit the backboard? Like, no, they, they got scored on. I saw. And he went to inbounds the ball, the and he went to and he went to just pass it to like Tyson Chandler or something, and he threw it off the backboard, and it was a turnover. <laughs> Like, that's the best player in, on the planet doing that kind of stuff. Like, he's completely checked out. He's, he's, he's just lost it. I think he knew going to L.A. this year was going to be a challenge, and I think he thought maybe they'd get Paul George. There's a lot of big-time players that they can get next year, but if they don't sign any of those guys, um, we could be in for maybe this, maybe this is the downfall of LeBron. Like, he, for the first time in his career, he looks tired. He looks I will say, on the hurt. positive side, let's not forget, Kobe Bryant wasn't on the downside of his career and missing the playoffs for the Lakers. Right. There's some people, LA beat writers, that say that this is the worst season in franchise history, which is kind of crazy. Seriously? Maybe expect- yeah. yeah. Maybe expectations were a little bit too high. They've had some bad teams. I think that's it. I think expectations were so high with LeBron that. Yeah. If you want to say compared to what we thought, I mean, you can yeah. go to the whole, like what the Vegas over under wins was like in the forties. Wasn't it the high forties? Yeah. I think maybe the most, disappointing season would probably yeah, be that, better that's to a, say. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. Not worst season ever. There's definitely yeah. be, just last year. Like, come on. <laughs> buddy, they're like three games from being 14th place in the Western Conference. Like, I never ever would have thought that. It's LeBron, man. Can't do it all. Especially when he doesn't care anymore. Yeah, he, <laughs> he does not. What do you got coming up? Work-wise. Um, yeah, well, one more. You mentioned hockey at the Athletic, so getting a lot of positive feedback about some of the, like the playoff schedules, just breaking down some stuff. So we'll be doing that for NBA because um, for those who play season-long NBA, <laughs> you guys know that you have to stream to have success in, in fantasy because it's just so much you know 
mediocre to be yeah. honest with, you with some of these guys. So, so that's, um, that's why I stopped playing season long. It was too much damn work. It was like, oh, this team has five games this week. This one only has three. I, I got to go do some, some more work. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've written about somebody on a Sunday morning and then all of a sudden they're hurt Monday afternoon. That's like my whole article was around that guy. So there's a lot of mediocre out there. You have to stream. So just be looking at the schedule, what nights to, to attack the schedule, for example. Like if everyone's playing on a Friday night and a Wednesday night and you have some guys, some mediocre guys, that they're not going to get into your lineup on those days. Like this is for head-to-head people. Then drop them out and pick up somebody that's going to play on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Sunday to get the advantage on your opponent. So we'll be doing some of that basketball that'll come out um, Sunday evening, one more hockey article and, you know, just plugging away with the, the amazing fantasy baseball draft guide, the athletic good stuff there, man. Yeah, that's really good stuff. And as mentioned, that's where the rankings are and everything is. And I'll even post this podcast in there. Like you can listen to do a lot of whole stuff over there. All in sports, just add that to the URL. It's theathletic.com slash all in sports. You get 30% off. So there you go. It's my gift to you guys, as as well as the entertaining podcast you had today. We'll be back next week. uh, And I hope you enjoyed this story that if you haven't read it yet, that I mean, hey, I, I thought it was fun. If you don't like it, too bad. Yeah, it was really rough food. Actually, speaking of the FSTA, it was. I just, I never told them about this, but it was really funny. So when we were down there this past time, they started serving serving the lunch food, and they started serving it while the last morning session was going before lunch. Was that you know eleven fifteen? Whatever. I forget. It was like forty or forty five minutes. You remember that they broke up the. So they served the food, and they're like, you know, help yourself and stuff like that. And I'm not a buffet person for the buffet's been there for a while because. You know me. I'm germ- yeah. not germ- I'm germ- conscious. Like, I don't, you know, yeah, so I get- I yeah, and I just, you don't know how many people like done things since you- before you got there. So like, all right, we'll get mine. And I was talking to the footballers, and uh, who got who? I think, oh, Andy got his, and Jason got his. And I think Mike was still in there, and Mike was somewhere else or whatever. So we all get our food, and other, you know, there's like three or four other people getting food because, like I said, that last meeting hadn't let out yet. But it was still going for another 15, 20 minutes because they served food way before noon. So we saw one person go back in, and we're like, oh, okay, we'll go back in. Because somebody kind of said like, yeah, grab your food and go, you know, back to what you're doing. Thought, you know, meant like grab your food and go back in there, no big deal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, mind you, it's a legitimate plate. Like, not China, but it's plate. Yeah. It's also metal forks and stuff like that. So, first of all, we walk in, and they're still dead in the middle of a panel going on the stage. So, we're like, okay, uh, let's, like, sneak over to our tables. Well, you've been to the FSTA. Like, walking in and out isn't a big deal. Right. But walking in when somebody with you also happens to clink their fork, <laughs> which is loud as hell in a room where only one person is talking, and sneak over to the table and sit down, and then all three of us are eating our food the slowest, softest way you could imagine three people trying to eat their food. And like the smallest bites, too, were like, and they just, <laughs> it was the most awkward food experience I've ever had. <laughs> it sounds like it. This is probably cold too. Like yeah, well, and then the worst part was like Jason or Andy or whoever clunked their fork on, clanked or clunked or whatever on their foot to the plate while we're sitting there too. Like when he went to put it down. So of course you know like ten people turn around and look at you. <laughs> it's like can you guys shut up already? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and every like I said, everybody's looking at us because we're like five people. We're the three of the five people who actually came in with our food. Way to go, boys. <laughs> Not to mention, at that table, looking over at us with like this, what are you doing, was Matthew Berry.